Okay, good morning. Well, it's great to be with you again. I'm just here for about four weeks just to celebrate uh, Christmas with my family. Um, and so it's just me back here this week, but next week, uh, Vicky, my wife, and our son Isaac will be here. Um, uh, some of you I, I know, of course, over the years. I recognize faces. Many of you I don't. So I hope this morning, uh, in some way, you, you'll be able to understand a bit about what we're doing and get a bit more of a glimpse of our world in Asia. Good. So, um, this morning, I would like to... Well, actually, first of all, no, I want to say, first of all, thank you for the prayer and support. Um, over, yes, yeah, so we left 22 years ago. Um, and uh, many highs and many challenges, many lows. It's all part of the journey. And so thank you for the prayer, those who do pray for us. And thank you for those who give. Um, I'll, I'll do a plug for money right up front. <laughs> um, someone once said that the gospel is free, but it takes money to get the gospel to the people. And I want to encourage you, um, every year when it's time to give for missions, uh, please give. Um, you'll hear some stories soon. Um, in our world, there are people who have never heard the gospel, not once. And it's not until we start talking to them about who Jesus is that they suddenly learn and they say, well, I've never heard this my whole life. I've never heard this. And so we are engaged with people who are very elderly people, and they've never once heard the gospel. And so I want to encourage you, please give when it's time for missions, uh, because it really does matter. And um, yeah, we really need, for those of us on the other side of the world, it means a lot to know that the support, prayer, but also the finances. So I'm just going to put that straight out there. And um, yeah, please give. <laughs> Good. Okay. This morning, I'd like us to take a look at Acts 17. Verses 16 to 34, with Christmas uh, around the corner, uh, it's a great opportunity and a great time to talk to people about the meaning of Christmas, the real meaning. Um, and in these verses, uh, we see Paul, he's in Athens, and it's a great model of how to talk to people about spiritual things. And so I'd like us to look at three things that Paul does in this passage and how they can apply to us. So that's in Acts 17, 16 to 34. So if you've got your Bible, you could turn there. And let me just pray, if I could, just before we start. Jesus, we are so grateful that you're amongst us. Your word says where two or three are gathered. Together, there you are in the midst. And Lord, obviously more than two or three this morning here. And so we thank you for your presence, and we thank you for what you're doing. And Lord, we pray that this morning that you would open our ears, you'd open our eyes uh, in a fresh way to see what your word says to us this morning. But more than that, Lord, we pray you'd help us to see how we can apply that uh, to our world and to our families and to uh, the people that we interact with day in and day out. So we bless you and thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's take a look here, starting in verse 16. So verse 16 to verse 34, I won't read it all out because there's a lot of verses, but we'll just touch on a few. First of all, verse 16, it says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. 
So if we go back to verse 15, before that, Paul was waiting for a couple of people to join him, with Silas and Timothy, and he was in Athens. And so while he was waiting, he took time to wander around the city. And what struck him, he said, he was greatly troubled by the idols he saw around him. Um, And that really struck me, the thought that he was greatly troubled. For those of you who have been to places like India and um, even places in China, Thailand, it's very common to see idols, literal idols where people bow down and worship. I know where we live, I live in Hong Kong, not too far from us is a very large temple, and there are just thousands of people that will be there on any given day, taking their incense and bowing down and saying these prayers. Um, And it really, I find it very troubling. I often go to these temples um, because I want to purposely be troubled um, because it bothers me that you've got all these lost people and that they are bowing down to idols because they know no different. Uh, People don't often do this willingly. It's because of ignorance. And I don't mean that cruelly, but they just don't know. Um, You go to many places in China where I've lived for many years Um, And it's the same thing. People who have never once heard the name of Jesus, but they're bowing down to idols. Idols of, if you go into businesses, there's often an idol that they pray to. If you go into homes, there's often um, pictures of a different God that they will pray to. And so here's Paul. This is his situation. He was wandering around, and he saw all these idols present, and he was greatly troubled. And I want to ask the question, is that the same for us? Do we feel greatly troubled? Now, we don't see necessarily physical idols around, but New Zealand has plenty of idols in different shapes and form. And here in Athens, these people would not have literally been bowing down like we would see in parts of Asia or other places in the world. This was a very sophisticated society. Greece was the center there of, um, of wisdom and education. And if we read on, uh, all the philosophers, my son is a philosopher, so I know all about talking to people who live in that world. <laughs> so these were all philosophers. And they weren't literally bowing down to idols here. I think what it was is the Idols here were, idolatry was very much part of their everyday life, um, very sophisticated form of idolatry. This is, this is how I understand it here, very sophisticated form of idolatry. And I wonder, as I was reading this, I was wondering and thinking, if Paul was to come to Hamilton in 2018, and he would wander around, and he'd be down in the, wherever you go, down at the base or in the town or Chart, well, not Chart, well, now what is it, Westfield? Chartwell, okay, Chartwell. And he wandered around, what would he be troubled by? Would he be troubled? I'm sure he would be troubled. We, we can get very troubled by a lot of social ills in society. Um, I think of, again, I just follow New Zealand news just on my phone, um, the death of the lady recently, the backpacker. So a lot of outpouring, um, um, some measure of shame, um, embarrassment, lots of things as a country New Zealand has felt. And so often when we see social ills, we can feel very troubled. But sometimes when it comes to spiritual things, we don't always feel as troubled. But just as it was in, in where Paul was wandering around Athens, so it is today in Hamilton. 
many, many people terribly lost and don't know Jesus. And sometimes it's easy just to go about life, just doing life, and not allowing God to stir our hearts. Um, I remember very clearly um, going to, again, in China and to a Muslim area, and there were just mosques everywhere, mosques everywhere, just lunchtime, all the men going to the mosque. And it's quite a troubling thing when you get amongst the lostness of people. Um, if we think about Jesus, when he, when he wept, and he said that they, uh, the people are like helpless, they're like sheep without a shepherd, he was amongst the people. And it was being amongst the people that stirred him up. And sometimes I think it's very easy to see cultural things that are very normal for us, but they're actually not normal. And they're actually hindrances and opposition towards Jesus and towards the gospel. Now, as a missionary, I meet many different people, um, not just Chinese, um, but also people from all kinds of countries, just being a missionary. And it doesn't take re too long to recognize what is very important for people in our culture. Very, very quickly, what's important will rise to the surface. Um, and we in New Zealand, we have plenty of stuff that rises to the surface that could easily get in the way of people coming to know Jesus. And so I want to raise the question this morning. Just as Paul was wandering around and he felt troubled by what he saw, I want to ask the question this morning. The first question is, what do we see? What do we see when we're out about? What do we see when we're down at the mall? What do we see at our workplace? What, what do we see? And I want to ask that this week you would allow God to trouble your heart by the lostness. It's, it's just so easy to go about life, just doing life. You get up in the morning, you do your thing, you go to work, you come home, and we, we don't allow God to trouble us. And so that's the first thing I want to ask this morning, that you would allow God this week to trouble your heart um, over the lostness of the people around us. So that's the first thing. What do we see? The next thing we see as Paul goes on, reading from verse 17 to 21, he went and did something. So verse 17 to 21 says, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, What's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. Now, oh sorry, you are saying some rather strange things and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Okay, so Paul was stirred, and then he went and did something. Now, I, I think it's really interesting. Here he is, Paul is waiting for people to join him. Now, I was thinking to myself, what would I do if I was in Athens waiting for people to join me? If I'm honest, I would probably find a cafe. Um, I might do a bit of sightseeing. Um, I don't know, if I'd been traveling a lot, I might have a sleep. But Paul was different. He, he had this time, he had this window, he thought, okay, I'm going to do something with what I see. The troubling in his heart prompted some action. And we see what he did there in verse 17 to 21. He went to two different places, and then, then a third they took him to. The first one is he went to the synagogue. 
Now, the synagogue was a place where there was the God-fearing people, the Jews, they, they um, spiritual interest, but also um, God-fearing Gentiles. Um, maybe today we could say uh, maybe a bit like the church. He would have gone to maybe the church of the time, shared, spoke, reasoned with people. Then he also went to the marketplace. So he went to, or public square, as, as this version uh, says. And he spoke to everybody he could day in and day out. With boldness he spoke. Now the marketplace or the public square maybe today would be like the equivalent of our, obviously our workplaces, um, where people hang out, maybe sports clubs, um, non-religious places is where he went. And then they took him to the council and he shared his ideas there. What strikes me is that Paul was very comfortable in both settings. He was very comfy follow Christ the more removed we become from non-Christians. Now, we might know non-Christians, so-and-so down at the dairy, so-and-so in the workplace, but we don't have a real close relationship with people. It's just a very common thing. Yet Paul seemed to be quite okay going in and out of these worlds. And then when we see further on in, in Acts and, and um, we see that he interacted and engaged very, very easily with people in both worlds. So, I want to ask this morning, how comfortable are you around people who are far from God? Yeah. Yeah. How comfortable are you? Now, if you're a religious person, and I don't say that as a positive word, I say it as a negative word, if you're a religious person, you're probably very uncomfortable. If you're a spiritual person, there'll be some measure of comfort. Now, what's the difference between a religious person and a spiritual person? Anyone want to hazard a guess, call out? Yes, Lauren Grace, yes. A religious person knows all the rules. You do this, you do this, you don't do this, you don't do that. When you come to church, you do this, you do that. A spiritual person is someone who has a relationship with God. The focus is on the inside not on the externals, okay? And so a spiritual person is very attractive to a non-Christian. A religious person is not. A religious person will, rep will repel people. That's what happens. People want to know about spiritual things. They want to know about spiritual things. I was just talking to my mum this morning. She doesn't know Jesus. And she said, oh, what are you going to talk about this morning? And I said, oh, I'm going to talk about how to talk about spiritual things without really offending people. And she said, wow, what a great topic. She, right, really interested. <laughs> what a great topic, she said. She said, wow, how do you come up with that? And I said, oh, you know, it's in the Bible and just through life experience. She said, oh, wow, I really want to hear about that. Okay? So how to be a spiritual, a naturally spiritual person is a real key amongst amongst the lost, not, not a religious person. People, I'll be honest with you, people don't want Christianity, okay? If they wanted to be Christians, they'd already be Christians, okay? Does that make sense? They want to know Jesus. They want to, have a, they want to know something to do with God. They're not looking to join a religion. No one wants to join a religion, not many people, but they do want to know about spiritual things. And so for us, we need to be naturally spiritual people. Paul was comfortable in both worlds, for those who were like us, walk and talk the same way, and then those 
who are far from God. And I wonder what it is that holds us back many times from naturally talking to people about Jesus. Maybe it's fear. Um, in the scriptures here, it uh, goes on and say, like the comment was, what's this babbler talking about? Now, we can get the equivalent today, right? But in maybe less flattering terms, they throw a few other words in there. Um, but it doesn't matter, okay? Because not everyone is going to be receptive to spiritual things. And as we go on, we read at the end that when Paul spoke, some laughed, some were interested to hear more, and then some became followers. So we get the full range. But my point is this morning, try not to be a religious person. No one wants religion, but they want spiritual connection with God. So that's, yeah, I want to throw that out there. In, um, I do a lot of work with Muslims. Um, so I live living in Hong Kong, and I do have a lot of work with Pakistanis. Um, so Pakistanis, as a general rule, when it comes to Islam, are very staunch believers, very staunch believers. And we have a group of about nine men, and none of them follow Jesus. But we've started in Genesis, and we're moving slowly with different stories towards Jesus. And it's really interesting to watch the change, and the, their, their eyes begin lighting up. They begin asking the questions. Um, it's a very simple model, and I, um, yeah, if you want to know more, please, you can ask me afterwards. But the stories that we use to follow as we go along. And what appeals to these guys is that we're not, me and another guy, we're not telling them to become Christians. We're not saying that. The focus is on connecting with Jesus and, and connecting with God. And in Muslim ministry, there's, it can be a real challenge. Um, many people do not want to become Christians because when they think of Christians, they think of the West. And when they think of the West, they look at Hollywood and they look at um, all the things that they perceive the West do. And they say, well, I don't want to be like that. And I think for most of us, we'd probably say the same. Okay, they relate being a Christian with all the debauchery and behavior that we often see in the West. And so the key is not to throw out these words, Christian, 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 but the idea is to try to help people connect with God in a way, in their framework or their reference, and connect with Jesus. And so we spend a lot of time with Muslims doing that. And so here, Paul, he focused. He, he went and did something. First of all, he saw he was troubled. Then he did something, he went and got engaged. And then the, the third thing I'd like us to see is that focuses on what he said. And the question I want to ask is, what do we say when we're with people who are far from God? What do we say? Um, verse 24 to 31 gives us an idea of what Paul said. 24 to 31, he says, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. 
God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Okay, long passage there. But the focus I want us to bring out on this part is that Paul started where they were. If we go back earlier, Paul, when he was walking around, he noticed an idol to the unknown God. Okay, so they had lots and lots of idols. One of them was called an unknown God. And he took that and he began using that as a starting point to begin talking about spiritual things. Here, Paul used the poets. He said, as your own poets say... We are his offspring. So he used what the people were familiar with and then bridged into the gospel. Okay, it's a very, very good method for talking to people about spiritual things, particularly those who are far from God. Um, sometimes I think it's very easy to uh, share and talk with people, and often there's a real disconnect. People don't really understand what we're talking about. Um, some of that is obviously our Christian vocab we use. So the key is really to try to use different words and phrases that people understand. Real, everyday people understand. Um, beginning with people's world, world view or their belief is really important. Everybody wears a pair of glasses with different colors. And they see the world through those glasses. Um, a Buddhist sees the world a particular way. A Hindu sees the world a particular way. <clears throat> a Muslim sees the world a particular way. Your neighbor, who's an atheist, sees the world in particular ways. Christians see the world in particular ways. And so we all wear these glasses. And so it's really important to help to begin where people are with that particular worldview. What is it that's really important for them? What are the values that are really important for people. I wonder for New Zealand what the answer would be. What, what would be the answer for New Zealand? Where What's really important for people, the values? Where's a really good starting place to talk to people about Jesus? Um, if we're honest, most people do not, who those who are far from God, do not enter the doors of a church. Okay, they don't. As much as we wish they would and we hope they would, that they don't. The only time people come into a church is for a funeral or a wedding or maybe an event. And Lord willing, there'll be some this week for the Christmas. Oh, when it's on, sorry, a few weeks. But most people, the culture of what we do inside here is very, very different to what's out there. The culture on Sunday is very different to the culture tomorrow at your workplace. Okay, it's very, very different. So... As the Great Commission says, we go to where people are. Okay, we go to where they are, and we communicate in a way that they can understand. And that's the message of Christmas. Now, God could have very easily just lit up the sky when he came, when Jesus came, with big words, or he could have done some other way. But he didn't. He became to earth, became one of us, lived like us, so that the message could be communicated. And in fact, in John 1, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh, that idea of the Word is not a Christian thought. That actually came before Christianity came about. Um, back in those days, the, back in those times, the philosophers had this concept of a logos, some overarching uh, power that created and controlled the universe. It was called the logos. 
So that, that idea of the logos of the word isn't a Christian thought. And so what happened is when John wrote his gospel, he used a concept that they were already familiar with to introduce Jesus. It was really good missiology. For anyone who's a missionary, um, that was just a really good way to do it. And, um, and it's the same idea here in New Zealand, taking thoughts that people are comfortable with, familiar with, people's values, um, the worldview, and using that to introduce Jesus. So the unknown God bridges into the gospel. We do this with Muslims. And um, so what often I do when I'm sharing with Muslims, I'll start using the Quran. Um, Has anyone, might sound heretical, has anyone read the Quran? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, yeah. It's really interesting. In the Quran, there's a lot of stuff in there that's the same as the Bible. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Jesus is mentioned about 93 times in the Quran. Okay. And so it's a natural place to start with people when introducing Jesus. You can start in the Quran. Chapter 3 of the Quran talks about Jesus was born of a virgin. He did miracles. He was sinless. Very good. It's all biblical stuff, right? It's all the same. And so the idea is, is if, if you're talking to a Muslim, you just come straight up and say, Jesus is the Son of God, you're not going to get a hearing. If you start with the Quran and see who's interested in Jesus, then we can bridge into the Bible and begin looking at stories from the Bible. And so that, that's what we do. And um, I was thinking about that in relationship to here. I wonder what the equivalent would be in New Zealand. Um, I, I read an article that said that... Um, that there's a very, very high percentage of New Zealanders who are interested in spiritual things. I don't know, do you think that's true? I think it is. I think there's a really high interest in spiritual things. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, the key is how do we connect? How does the church connect in such a way that we don't come across as religious, that we're not trying to convert them to a religion, because that's not what we're doing, we're trying to introduce them to a relationship with the Father. That's different than joining a religion. There are ways. And just as Paul saw, he did, and then he spoke, the same applies for us. What do we see around us? How troubled do we get? How troubled do we get? When we go on holiday and we're at the beach, we're at the mount, or we're somewhere else, um, enjoy your holiday, please. Allow God to stir your heart and trouble your heart. Yeah, yeah, allow him to trouble your heart. Just ask him. Say, God, help me to see the lost. Allow, please trouble my heart so I can see those who are far from you the way you see them. And then help it to create some kind of action. Do something with it. Um, Do something with it. Start engaging with the lost. Um, I'd really encourage you just to go and hang out with people who are far from God, who are far from God. Um, And then we can start understanding and hearing how people think, some of the real struggles for people, what's important for them, what are the values. Hang out with people who are far from God. Um, I mean, Jesus did it. As we know, he was uh, accused of being a, a, what was he, a sinner and a drunkard. (laughs) To be accused of being a sinner and a drunkard, you must be at the pub a lot. Or oh, you always have a drink in your hand, right? Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating just to 
go out and get plastered. I'm not saying that, but be around the lost. Be around the lost. Try to get out of our Christian world and get engaged with the lost. Pray and say, God, help me to have one non-Christian friend, a real non-Christian friend. Uh, maybe you already do, and that's wonderful if you do. Um, but if you don't, then pray and ask God to do that. And uh, you will be surprised God will bring someone across your path that you can become good friends with. And then the last one, what do you see, what do you do? And what do we say? Listen very carefully to what people are saying. Try to hear the worldview. Try to hear what's important, their values, and use that as a platform for introducing spiritual things. Um, we don't need to do a four spiritual laws. We don't need to do the bridge illustration, all these things. Just be natural about it and introduce Jesus that way. So those are the three things that I, I think we get from here. So yes, if we can, I guess the musicians could come up. That would be great. Why don't we take a moment, um, just as the musicians come, just take a moment and pray and, and um, ask God if there's somebody that he wants you, a non-Christian person in your world, that he wants you to connect with in an intentional way. Maybe that's already happened, if that's it, then great, keep it up. If not, ask God to show you somebody. Okay, so as we maybe could play something, let's just take a moment. And uh, ask God, God, show me, bring someone's face to mind, bring a name to mind. Uh, this Christmas, as we celebrate what the message of Christmas is about, who is the someone in my world that I could use this time of the year to talk to them about the meaning of Christmas? morning we commit ourselves afresh into your hands uh, thank you for the example we see uh, in the bible the way you jesus the way you came to earth became one of us communicated in such a way that the people of that time could understand thank you for the early church the way they were naturally spiritual people how the gospel just went throughout the whole known world at that time through very ordinary and simple and often ed uneducated people, naturally spiritual people. Uh, thank you for the example we see of Paul this morning in Athens being troubled by what he saw and, and prompted to action and finding the words to begin where they, the people were to present you. And Lord, this morning, um, for us here in 2018 in Hamilton, Lord, um, Many lost people around us. Uh, God, we pray first of all that you would trouble our hearts, uh, that you would move us beyond our complacency, our everyday life of just going about doing this and that and all important stuff. But Lord, open our eyes in a really fresh way and trouble our hearts. Lord, then we pray that we would do something with that. Lord, show us what to do. 
once we feel troubled, and then we pray for the words to say, what to say, to be able to connect right at the heart of where our lost friends and workmates and our lost neighbors are. God, you want so many to come into a relationship with you, to know you. And God, uh, we pray that you would take us as very simple and ordinary people, uh, broken vessels, full of all kinds of problems. Lord, we all, you know what we're like. We've many troubles, many problems, but Lord, you take us and use us. And God, we make ourselves available and afresh this morning with Christmas coming up. God, we pray for opportunities for the people that you've put into our minds, the, 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 the names, the, the faces. God, help us over these next few weeks to connect in very real ways with people, to drop our religiousness and to be naturally spiritual people who have a connection and a relationship with the creator of the universe. God, we thank you, and we commit ourselves into your hands uh, this day. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Good. God bless you. And I will see you next time I'm in New Zealand. <laughs>